0: Well, Ugnats and Jawas, spoiler alert for Ahsoka, episode 6, part 6, titled Far, Far Away. You've been warned, Thrawn Watch is officially over, ladies and gentlemen. Thrawn Watch has commenced, and he's here, and he's here to stay, and he's here in a massive massive way what a phenomenal episode by the way welcome to Mando Talk I'm your host Caleb Keller and I've been waiting for this day for so long folks you know if you listen to this podcast you know I'm a massive Thrawn fan a massive Heir to the Empire trilogy fan a massive fan of Thrawn and Rebels and everything about Thrawn's depiction played by Lars Mickelson. Yet again, he voiced him in Rebels. Everything about Thrawn was perfect. Ezra Bridger, while we're talking about it, Ezra Bridger portrayed perfectly. He's got a beard now and everything, which makes sense because he's been alone. He's been deserted with turtles, with Star Wars Paridia turtles. We'll talk about that later. Ezra Bridger is back and here to stay And by the way, the outfit, the costume that he's got looks really cool. A really cool uh, gear. A really cool swag that Ezra Bridger's got going. Wow. This is now, like, I've enjoyed every single episode. I've loved, loved, loved every single episode of Ahsoka so far. But now this is like three weeks in a row of 10 out of 10 content. We got to thank Obviously, the writer of this episode, yet again, Dave Filoni. And we also have to thank today's director, Jennifer Getzinger, who has a history of working with Daredevil on the Netflix Daredevil series. Unreal. Unreal stuff. This episode was titled Far, Far Away, and I don't want to waste time getting into it, so we're going to go through our linear breakdown this week. Last week, we kind of did a little bit different where I shared... Some of my just really big, big, massive takeaways, which I'm sure this will be, this will kind of have those vibes too. So if you really dug that format, this will feel that way. But we're also gonna mix mix in there the linear route. Um if you like what you're seeing here make sure you hit subscribe wherever you're listening. Uh if you're on podcast platforms again, please 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 please, I can't stress this enough. Give me a 5-star rating. It really helps. This season the listenership has been phenomenal. It's right on par with the Mandalorian season 3, which was the biggest season of Star Wars television that Mando Talk has ever had. And uh, it's really humbling because it's it's just me here and just enough of you, if not more, as much of you, if not more, want to still listen to what I have to say about Star Wars. So I really appreciate that. Uh, Give me five stars, subscribe, comment, like, talk to me. I can't wait to hear from you all, but let's dive in. So first thing that happens in this episode, Ahsoka voices concern that Sabine went willingly with Balin, which she totally did. Uh, So, warranted concern there. Huang shares that perhaps for Sabine, that was the only choice. This is an interesting conversation, in my opinion, of Huang pushing back on the Jedi instincts that Ahsoka naturally runs through mentally. And Ahsoka, of course, didn't really dig that, so she playfully doesn't appreciate this and asks Huang to tell one of his history lessons of the galaxy instead. And he begins by saying, a long time ago in a galaxy Far, far away, which was phenomenal. I mean, yeah, maybe a little on on the nose for some of you, but I loved it. Uh, Because it just immediately put a smile on my face. I knew that we were going to have a lot of fun with this episode. And then, of course, after that line, we get the title of the episode, Far, Far Away, which is very fitting. Because this is the only moment that we spend with Ahsoka. And the only moment that we spend in the galaxy that we know of in the entire episode. The rest of the episode is dedicated to this new galaxy, to Peridia, to the villains, to Sabine, Ezra... Turtles, (laughs) Turtles, <laughs> it was great. And and I'm sure some, some criticism could be that it's slower paced than the others, but I loved it. This was the perfect time to really dive into the lore the the magic of it all, and we'll get to that in a second. The world building of this new galaxy. Like, the villains are a full episode ahead of our heroes. So it was only fair and only right to then have a full-on episode spent with the villains and not with Ahsoka. And I get it. The show's called Ahsoka. And this episode, though, really felt heavily like a mixture of Rebel Season 5 and a continuation of the Ahsoka story but of course, me as the Rebels fan, I really dug that. So really love that those opening scenes there between Ahsoka and Huang. I love the dynamic of that conversation of Huang continually reminding Ahsoka, look, maybe your your Jedi instincts that you're traditionally used to, that doesn't necessarily apply to everyone. Like Sabine's choice, in her opinion, in her eyes, were the was the only choice in that moment. And and I feel like that's applicable to a lot of us. Um the audience, me, like in the moment, if I was Sabine, yeah. I mean, seemingly Ahsoka died. The only thing you have left in the galaxy is the possibility of Ezra being out there. So at the in the moment, you didn't really care about the, the fate of the galaxy because you were more so just worried about the only remaining family that you have. At least you thought in that moment, at least, because you thought Ahsoka was gone. So I understand that. I understand this dynamic, and I also understand the lesson that Huang is trying to give Ahsoka here. All right, continuing on the episode, Sabine is imprisoned on the Eye of Sion as Balin converses with her outside of the cell, kind of taunting her a little bit. Sabine is feeling as though Balin is ignoring their deal. Balin then kind of walks away. Like, again, he's just toying with her, walks away, goes to Morgan, shares that he believes Sabine's focus on Ezra blinds her and she will still be a use to them and their mission. Suddenly, the villains exit hyperspace and into this new galaxy, and this is where the episode just then continued dropping banger after banger after banger after banger. It was just all epic from here on out. They arrive on Peridia, where Morgan shares is the ancient homeworld of her ancestors, the Dathmiri, which I don't know, and again, if you don't know, I record these podcasts immediately after watching the episode, so I'm sitting in my living room. I haven't really dug in. I haven't gone to Wikipedia or anything like that, I don't know if in traditional canon, if this Peridia location is the ancient homeworld of the Dathmiri people, of the witches, of the Night Sisters. I may be misremembering some things, but I feel like that's new. And I know Filoni's been on record saying. Yeah, the books, the novels, George has always viewed that as secondary. Whatever's on screen, that's the legit storytelling. So maybe Filoni is kind of ignoring the stuff that's out there regarding the Night Sisters, regarding the Dathmiri people, the, the Dathmiri folk, and he's using the Dathmiri history to aid this story that he's trying to tell in Ahsoka to then fit this on screen canon but you let me know i may be off there there may be stuff out there already that already alludes to these death folk uh being from prydia being from this other galaxy continuing on here Balin confirms this was mentioned in the jedi archives as a migration route for the purgle we've already gotten kind of allusions to that throughout this show morgan shares death mary rode the creatures before time was counted Peridia is now a graveyard to Pergil, where they come to die, and you can literally see the bones of Pergil, it looked like. So that was kind of shocking to see. I, I wasn't expecting to see that. Suddenly, the villains receive a beacon signal from the planet's surface. The villains approach landfall and bring Sabine with them. Thunder rumbles upon atmospheric entry. Statues of ancient Dathmiri can be seen, ancient Night Sisters, and the villains land at a very eerie eerie temple so i really love the conversation pieces that were occurring on here really setting the stage getting you this eerie feeling as we approach landfall on peridia well the group then walks upon a trio of night sisters in a location similar to the one at satos and one of the sisters and really later in the episode all of the sisters are referred to as the great mother Love that plug. Love that name usage. Again, establishing lore here. Just love the terminology that they're using. Morgan is eager for Thrawn, but she is told to wait. Sabine is told that she reeks of Jedi, according to those witches, as she is restrained by Night Sister Magic, and Sabine is then put in a prison. At the Temple. So again, reminder, if you haven't seen Clone Wars, the Dathmiri, these night Sisters, the Great Mother, there's of course the Great Mother Talzin, I think that's her name. Again, fresh off the watch, haven't done the research, haven't reminded myself of all the Clone Wars, but I think it's something like that. Um, all stuff that, if you've watched Clone Wars, this is all terminology that's not new to you. All of this witchcraft that we're seeing, like the way that Sabine's restrained none of that's new to you but if you only watch live action stuff and i would even add uh jedi fallen order to that cuz we see a night sister in there i don't know if if a night sisters in jedi survivor cuz i haven't played it uh but anyway all stuff that if you if you take in everything star wars nothing new here uh but if you only watch on screen yeah this is some terminology that's new that's cool that's different from anything you've seen before so, I'm sure that's exciting. Now, this may just be me, uh, and I may mispronounce this because it's been a minute since I've watched it. Uh, Dune, uh, the Dune movie uh, with Timothy Chalamet in it as uh, Paul Atreides. These Night Sisters, and I've never gotten these vibes from the Night Sisters before in Clone Wars, but the way that Filoni decided to at least show the Night Sisters here in live action. The Night Sisters really reminded me of the Bene Gesserit. I think that's how you say it. It's essentially the witches in in Dune, uh, where they're kind of like able to foresee the future or at least like do some things to plant what the future is going to be like. Uh, They're very much so able to do that kind of stuff, but that's really just witch vibes in general. Uh, So just, just got those vibes, though, heavily. A few times I got some Dune vibes, of course, in this Uh, episode which for me is awesome because i loved that movie loved that movie hate that dune part two has been moved to next year but anyway this is a star wars podcast so moving on Balin shares he heard stories of these things at the temple he's now conversating with shin they're kind of off to the side and it's revealed shin wasn't raised at the temple So I know we've been speculating, okay, what's Shin's past? What's she got going on? Well, we got some hints in this episode. Shin shares her disliking of all this. She literally says the quote, sometimes stories are just stories, referring to, she doesn't know if she believes all this witchcraft stuff that she's hearing about and seeing, Balin shares he watched everything he knew burn when he was a little older than Shin. Obviously, this is referring to Order 66. So again, some more character establishment. We know Balin was very much so active at the Jedi Temple for the Jedi Order during the events of Order 66. He believes the fall of the Jedi, the rise of the Empire is all inevitable. And he believes that history repeats itself again and again. Shin asks if they find Or if, when they find Thrawn, will it be their turn for power? And Balin shares his intentions. Find the beginning at this place so he can end the cycle altogether. So Balin has an interest in somehow connecting with the magic that's going on here to go back all the way to the beginning. And I don't know what his definition of beginning is, but it sounds like he's trying to somehow go back in time. I don't know. And somehow prevent this cycling this wheel this this ever revolving pattern that happens in the galaxy of rise of heroes fall of heroes rise of villains rise of heroes fall of heroes rise of villains like just that repeated pattern and obviously that's what keeps happening in star wars that's how we got the sequel trilogy of course because the villains rose again then the heroes rose again like it's just repeated repeated Balin gets it He understands that. That's a very interesting take, and that was uh, really cool to see. Now, one thing I want to point out, and I don't know if I already said it. Yeah, I did. I did. This location that they're on, very similar to that location on Satos. I definitely said that. Definitely want to make sure that I pointed that out, though. Okay. Let's see, moving on. Sabine attempts to break out of the prison by using the Force. She begins to believe she is using it, but really what's moving the door or shaking the door that she's trying to use the Force to uh, open was an Imperial Star Destroyer. Now, this isn't just any Imperial Star Destroyer. This is the Chimera. This is the Star Destroyer that is most notably Thrawn's. This was first established in Heir to the Empire. Filoni decided to reuse that idea in Rebels, and this is the same ship that Thrawn and Ezra vanished on at the end of Rebels, in the finale of Rebels. So again, if you're a diehard Rebels fan, you're floored at this moment alone just seeing this Star Destroyer if you're not a diehard Rebels fan just seeing the way that they shot that Star Destroyer alone was super cool and then again it just gets even better I want to remind you Thrawn Watch is over ladies and gentlemen Thrawn arrives with a massive army full of what they call in the titles or subtitles rather Night troopers and his main soldier Enoch, who is the captain of his guard, who has a golden face. Everyone is chanting Thrawn, 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 Thrawn as he works his way through the soldiers. Thrawn thanks. So Thrawn officially gets to our villains. Thrawn thanks the Great Mothers and Morgan Elsbeth. Morgan informs him that it will take three rotations before they are ready to leave and head toward the normal galaxy. The witches inform Thrawn they have a prisoner that they did not foresee. The prisoner, of course, is Sabine Wren. And this is where, ooh, it was so cool to hear Thrawn say Sabine Wren yet again. He's like, ah, a familiar name, or something like that, and of course I don't do the voice justice at all. By the way, Thrawn eventually thanks Balin as well for this, because he believes Sabine can serve them well too. Thrawn recognizes Balin's skull as General Balin's skull, which then confirms that Balin served during the Clone Wars. Oh my gosh, folks! This scene was everything that I ever wanted out of a Thrawn live-action appearance. This might be a hot take. It might be recency biased. But this is the best villain entrance in Star Wars history. <laughs> You're throwing stuff at me. Yeah, that's probably a bad take. Think back to Return of the Jedi with Palpatine. Um, I mean, that's that's really what this was inspired by. definitely. Like, Thrawn's just working his way through his soldiers. Yeah, super dope. Super cool. It, I'll say, okay, I'll retract. It's up there. It's up there with one of the greatest villain entries in Star Wars history. Now, I want to backtrack to that night trooper idea. So, I'm going to assume, because obviously I don't think that Thrawn has the ability to get all of these troopers on his own there's definitely some witch magic going on here and i even think and this is probably in my notes so maybe i won't speak to it a ton right now but later in the episode you see tubes of people being transported onto the star destroyer i'm wondering if those are soldiers that are being worked on to then become part of his fleet to become part of his army But regardless, especially with the subtitles confirming that those troopers are called Night Troopers, I don't think those are real people under the armor, except maybe Enoch. I think he might be real. But I think it's like Merrick or Marek, whatever, whatever that dude's name was. Merrick, the dude that got cut and suddenly became just green smoke. Night Sister Magic. I think that's what's going on here. All of this, this entire army, is Night Sister Magic. Not real people. But they're able to at least form themselves into a human body type to where they're able to battle and, and help the cause as far as helping Thrawn and, and things like that. What an incredible scene. Uh, I will be re-watching that scene for many, many days and months and years to come. It was so cool. It was so cool. I'm trying to think if there's anything else in there that I really need to break down, but other than it just being absolutely awesome. Just absolutely awesome. And after a second, third, fourth watch, I'll think of stuff to say. So that's where you want to follow me on TikTok at Casual Geek Clips or subscribe to the YouTube channel because usually I do additional content throughout the week once I formulate even more opinions and takes of the episode. All right, continuing on then. I could talk about that one moment forever, but I don't want to do that to you. Anyway, moving on, Sabine is brought to Thrawn, and he decides to let her go, as she has brought his way out of this galaxy to him. Thrawn shares that he may be dead, as far as Ezra goes. Thrawn shares that Ezra may be dead, and once they leave, she will be stranded there forever but she gambled the fate of their galaxy on the belief that Ezra is alive. Sabine is then taken to a howler for travel. Enoch shares that she should be warned that nomads roam the planet and prey upon each other for survival. She is then given weapons, including the Ezra lightsaber that she's now modified to to be her own, kind of. And Enoch delivers a fantastic line of, die well. great delivery there dude uh sabine leaves in search of ezra thrawn orders Balin and shin to follow her and if she finds ezra or excuse me yeah if sabine finds ezra then Balin and shin need to attempt to kill them both great moment here great opportunity to see thrawn and sabine come face to face if you're a rebels fan Not the first time as far as Thrawn being very familiar with Sabine's work, her artwork, and there's even allusion to uh, Thrawn being infatuated with art later in this episode and just infatuated with learning everything about his villain. That defines Thrawn. Thrawn loves to know every single detail about who he's up against because he uses every minute detail to inform his decisions. And that's what makes him so powerful and such a great villain. He's so calculated in everything that he does. And you can definitely tell that in this one episode alone. And I can't wait to see more of Thrawn. But we're not done with Thrawn. We'll come back to him a couple more times in this episode. Well, Sabine goes out. She's ambushed by nomads. She ignites the lightsaber after being beaten up a good bit and begins going ham. However, unfortunately, in the battle, her tracking device of locating Ezra's lost whereabouts is destroyed. All right. Cool moment there. I liked the the nomads this felt very Star Warsy. It definitely reminded me of several Star Wars uh plot points throughout the franchise, but most notably it reminds me of I think it's like chapter 2 of The Mandalorian when Din Djarin is first transporting Grogu and these uh bounty hunters just come out of nowhere and start attacking. So yeah, very much so like that. Very much so like that. It's just in the DNA of Star Wars, so I love that kind of stuff. Well, again, I've already alluded to this, but tubes of people are loaded upon the Chimera. Thrawn shares that it doesn't matter whether Ezra and Sabine and Balin and Shin are killed or left there. The main objective is to leave for their galaxy. Thrawn doesn't care about Balin or Shin. He's made that very clear, and I think that makes sense. At the end of the day, Thrawn is most concerned with getting his fleet, his soldiers, the Night Sisters, the things that have gotten him to where he's at now. He's worried about getting all of them and himself back to the galaxy to cause all kinds of havoc. Whether that includes Balin and Shin or not. If it does, probably great for him. Like it's just more power that he could use. But and again, maybe this is my this this is me this is my knowledge of heir to the empire. Uh, there's a dark Jedi or a cloned dark Jedi uh, in that heir to the empire trilogy. Thrawn really just uses him as a weapon. Thrawn, you can tell, really doesn't like like the dude or love the dude. He just fully takes advantage of his powers. If if Balin and Shin make it back to the normal galaxy with them, that's all it's going to be. He's not going to view them as people that he can absolutely rely on to get things done. Like, yeah, he's going to trust them in some cases, but he knows that because they have Force abilities, they have ulterior motive. And clearly they do. Balin talks about it later in the episode. So that's just something to keep in mind, uh, that Thrawn is very much so aware of Balin and Shin's intentions here. They've got their own thing, as well as Thrawn having his own thing. If they're with him, great. If not, great. He's fine with either way, as long as all of these force users are left behind or dead on this galaxy. Like that would be the that would be the best worst case scenario uh, for him. So all good things for for him at least. So he believes. All right. Next up, Sabine and the Howler quickly gain companionship. The Howler begins using its trout to smell Ezra out. I think, or at least he smells something. I guess I know what that something is, and you know what that something is. That howler travels to water and stumbles upon a Star Wars turtle. In the subtitles, it was referred to as Little Noti, which I believe then later in the episode, the subtitles alert to all of them speaking the language of Noti. So I think that's just a dialect, not not necessarily what this species is called, but I could be overanalyzing that. We're just going to keep referencing them as Star Wars turtles. Why not? we got space wells so why not have some space turtles maybe space turtles is what i should say instead of star wars turtles well the star wars turtles there i am again the space turtles recognize the rebel symbol on sabine's shoulder plate and shows that it has one too it's like a necklace which they could have only gotten that from one person and that one person would be Ezra Bridger. Suddenly, a bunch of these turtles reveal themselves. They share they know Ezra Bridger and seemingly agree to take her to him. Next up, Balin and Shin are on Sabine's tracks. Balin shares he doesn't know Bridger as he is a Balkan Jedi as he came to be after the temple fell. So that's an interesting phrase. Again, that may have already been out there. I think that is something that's actually been out there. Uh, I just don't remember at the moment, but that sounds familiar. Uh, that's probably something that's been established in Canon before. Jedi that were trained post order 66 referred to these referred as Boken Jedi. Balin says he trained Shin to be something more than a Jedi. Shin asked Balin if he misses the order and he says he misses the idea of it, but not the truth or the weakness. Balin says he sees potential for power at this place, that he believes the witches and Thrawn are overlooking, and that is what he is after, so it seems he isn't worried about being left behind either, potentially. like It seems like he's okay with being left on Peridia because he believes there's things there for them to discover to allow him to go back to this beginning to break the wheel, to break the revolving pattern of the galaxy. So I, it seems like that may be the end game of Balin and Shin. Potentially, there's all kind of different ways that it could go for them. But maybe they just decide to stay there. Maybe they somehow decide to stay there if they don't get killed. Like I don't. At this point now, I'm wondering if they do come back because they don't have any necessarily any interest to go back. At least not at the moment. It seems they just want to figure out how to go back to the beginning, to, to break all of this. So who knows? We'll see. But 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 the mind is rolling with uh, with what Balin and Shin are up to because that's the last time that we see them, and we see them kind of facing off with these locals, these nomads. I'm assuming they're gonna start like just slaughtering people if they have to. Balin tells Shin, you know, put your lightsaber down. There's no need for bloodshed. So maybe not. But I'm very interested to see the angle that Balin and Shin take. The rest of the way, the rest of the series with the with the two episodes that we have left. And one thing that's interesting to me is what does Balin think that he's gonna find that the witches are overlooking? The seemingly these witches are able to sometimes be able to tell the future, potentially. They're also able to impact the present. So I'm wondering what does he think that that's out there that the witches and Thrawn are overlooking? I don't know. Maybe he's trying. Maybe, maybe Balin's trying to access the world between worlds somehow. Because if he accesses the world between worlds, he can find a portal that takes him back to the beginning. He goes through that portal, and he does whatever he feels like he needs to do to break the will. I keep saying break the will. I think that's a Game of Thrones terminology, but it makes sense. Um, he's trying to go back to the beginning. Maybe he's trying to access the, the world between worlds and, and do it that route. Who knows? We'll see. But you let me know. What's your theory? What, what are Balin and Shin up to? Obviously, they're going to end up coming face-to-face with Sabine and Ezra at some point, and maybe Ahsoka again. So uh, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. Okay, the Turtles take Sabine on their or to their civilization, and then the moment happens, guys. Ezra Bridger, and this is where I begin to tear up. So with the Thrawn reveal, I was like standing up and running around my living room. With the Ezra Bridger reveal, like I was sitting down on the edge of my seat crying, weeping, because we finally got this this moment where they get to be together again, where they get to share their friendship, their, their love for each other. And I don't mean like a relationship. They could be a relationship. They could not be. I think it's more so a brother-sister type of relationship. They have a love for each other, though, with everything that they've been through together. And it was really cool to see that come back together again. These two characters I love so much. Well, Ezra Bridger says the quote, I knew I could count on you, though it sure took you long enough. And then Sabine, obviously, they kind of go back and forth. Ezra's like, well, did my plan even work? And Sabine, of course, says that his plan did ultimately work, like Lothal was freed, the Empire was defeated, So at the end of the day, the rebellion was successful, which that's what Ezra Bridger and the entire Ghost crew were a part of. They were a cell of the rebellion. And the fact that Ezra vanished with Thrawn, that gave the rebels the opportunity to free Lothal, and therefore that led to the events of the original trilogy. So yes, Ezra's plan worked, and that was really cool to to see him facially get that gratification of okay cool that was all for something and it's just wild that he's been out there for so long just probably wondering what has happened and I'm sure he's able to feel it through the force I'm sure he's somehow able to feel through the force that they were successful in some way but he just doesn't know to what extent so really cool moment there Um, Sabine wants to be happy that she found Ezra, so she doesn't share how she got there at the moment. So, of course, that's going to come back to bite them in the butt. Um, Again, another moment where Sabine's probably making things a little bit more difficult than she needs to. Uh, Ezra says they can't stay there, so they have to pack up and move. And Ezra says, Sabine, thanks for coming. I can't wait to go home. And again, eerie vibes. Eerie vibes here because we know Sabine's in trouble. They don't have a way home currently. Obviously, Ahsoka's coming. That's going to be their way home. But Sabine at the moment doesn't think that there's any way for them to leave. And I'm sure next week she's going to share that information to Ezra, and it's going to be a massive deal, a massive conversation that they have. But then maybe toward the end of it, they kind of reunite with Ahsoka, and that sets up for the finale of, oh, Here's what we can do to get out of here. Obviously, it's it's going to have to be the Purgle, right? But yeah, very, very heavy stuff there with, with Ezra and Sabine. My Rebels fandom was very pleased with this reveal. And I have to admit again, I was shocked that we got both of these characters in this episode, Thrawn and Ezra. Usually, the Disney Plus formula is to save at least one of the big characters for the finale, or at least the penultimate episode Nah, they went ahead and showed them both, which is exciting for me because that leaves more time to do other big things with these final two episodes. All right, final moments and final note that I have for episode six. The Great Mothers share that another Jedi is coming. Thrawn asks if it could be the recently deceased Jedi Ahsoka Tano. Morgan shares this is impossible and Thrawn pushes back, saying death and resurrection are common deceptions played out by both Sister and Jedi. So, Morgan, you should know better. You should know better than that is what Thrawn's essentially saying. Morgan says Balin assured her that Ahsoka was dead, but Thrawn says we must regard Balin as flawed as he was former Jedi. Again, there's that illusion that he doesn't quite vibe with Jedi. He doesn't fully trust him. He'll use them. He'll use the Force abilities if it works for him, but if it doesn't work for him, he's okay with cutting those ties. Where are we at? Thrawn wants to assume Ahsoka is alive and coming until they know otherwise. He wants to know her background, history, master, everything. Again, he's trying to learn his enemy as much as possible to inform his next decisions. He orders that if the Purgle arrive, they need to be destroyed. Thrawn requests the use of more dark magic from the Great Mothers, and essentially the Great Mothers agree. And there, is episode six. We've ran through it all. I've shared everything to break down. I've shared my opinions on everything. What I haven't done is given you a rating, I guess. Did I give you a rating at the beginning? I can't remember. 10 out of 10. What's that? Three weeks in a row now? 10 out of 10. Yeah, that may be that may be making me making my review capabilities illegitimate, but that's just how much I'm loving this story. I love the reveal of Thrawn. I love the slower pace of this episode. I love the couple moments of Star Wars goofiness. I love, obviously, the reveal of Ezra and the dialogue that happened between Sabine and Ezra. I love all of it. Um, and I know maybe there's a critique out there of Sabine continually messing up. I think it's, you got to trust the process. This is character development, character growth. It's taking her a while to get there because she's been through so much mentally, but she's eventually going to get there. Eventually we're not gonna have these kind of mistakes. She's she's a Mandalorian. She thinks with her heart sometimes, not necessarily her head. And and that's just that's just part of it. So 10 out of 10, really dug it. But what did you think? Let me know down in the comments. If you're on YouTube, if you're on podcast platforms, you can reach out to me on Twitter at MandoTalk, or you can message me or drop a thought in the Discord. Discord link is down in the description. I really want to hear from you guys. Obviously, I want to relish this moment of Thrawn making his live-action portrayal, his first live-action portrayal, and Ezra as well. I want to live in this moment as much as I can. So any conversations you want to have, let's have them. Um, Gosh, Star Wars is here, baby. Like, this is just phenomenal stuff. I can't wait for next week. I just can't wait for all of it. It's just been so good, and um, I'm I'm very thrilled. I'm a very happy Star Wars fan because, again, Thrawn watches over, baby. Thrawn is here, and uh, it seems like he's seemingly here to stay with the uh, Heir of the Empire type of vibes that they got going on, with the with the Dave Filoni movie they got going on, with all of this Mandoverse stuff building up to one culminating moment. Thrawn's going to be around for a while. And what we got from Thrawn, top-tier villain. Uh, Living up to the potential so far. And I can't wait for more. All right, well, it's time for me to get out of here. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Again, subscribe, whatever platform you are on. Give me five stars on those podcast platforms. It really helps. Give me the likes. Give me the comments on YouTube. That really helps. And uh, I'll catch you on the next one. And until next time, As always, we have spoken.